Welcome. It's such a great privilege to be able to share this next installment of Rebuild. Over the last few weeks, we've been wrestling with the idea that God wants to use us as instruments of change in society. We understand that the mission of God involves a revival dynamic where people encounter the living God, where God radically changes us. We become born again from the inside out. And then we go on a process of discipleship where God starts to restore us. He gives us beauty for ashes, oil of joy instead of uh, a sadness. And, and this is where God starts to make sure that we're established in Him. In fact, in Isaiah 61, it says, we become the planting of the Lord. And to continue quoting from Isaiah 61, the Bible then says that we go on to be rebuilders of ancient ruins. In fact, the Bible puts it this way, they shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall rise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Once we've encountered God, we've got work to do. And while we're in this process of being changed and transformed, and our, our character is being molded, God wants to use us. And this week, I want to talk about how we start to rebuild the world around us. An important building block in rebuilding the world around us is what we do in our workplace. It's amazing how many of us understand that we are called and supposed to work. But often our attitude towards work stinks, right? In fact, the Wall Street Journal did a survey and they asked a simple question about satisfaction in the workplace. And what they found was staggering. They found that 80% of people in the workplace are dissatisfied with their work. 80% of the people say, I want to get out of here. So if we're going to start to rebuild the world around us and figure out how to engage in our workplace in a positive way, in a godly way, we're going to have to change the way that we view work. So an important question to ask and answer here is simply this. Does God work? If we want to change the way that we view work, we've got to ask the question, does God work? Does God sit around in the sky just like um, on a lazy boy couch uh, hoping for the end of the world to come? Or is God busy doing something? It's interesting that the Bible opens up and it talks about the fact that God created the heavens and the, and the earth. God worked. When God was in the process creating, He worked. In fact, it says on the seventh day, He took time off to rest from His work. God works. In John chapter 5, Jesus put it this way. He said, My Father is working and is still working. So we've got to understand that work is something that God does. And to fast forward a little bit in Genesis chapter 1, we get to verse 28 and it says that God made man, that's male and female, in his image. And we are called in his likeness and in his image. So if God is a worker and if God works, then we are called to work. And this is a radical paradigm shift for many of us. So the first thing that I want you to catch is a revelation of the need to change our attitude and our approach to work. Work is not something that came from the devil. Work is integral 
to how, to how God designed us to be because God himself works. Here's the next thought on our work. And it comes from Genesis 2 verse 15. This is what the Bible says. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and to keep it. <laughs> so when God placed us in the garden, he gave us a very simple mandate to work it and to keep it. Let's double click on some of these words here. The word work is the Hebrew word avodah. Now avodah has got different ways that it's translated in the Old Testament uh, to give us an understanding of the breadth and the strength of this word. So it, it can be translated as cultivate. So to cultivate means to develop, to, to, to find something in one state and to leave it better. And so what God was asking of Adam was to make it better. Hmm. The next meaning of the word work is, um, is, is, yes, indeed work. But also it's got the connotation of service. What we do for the benefit of others. Service. A third meaning of the word work is the word craftsmanship. And this is where we, we, we work with skill. But the final meaning of the word work, and you can find this in places like 2 Chronicles 8.14, is where this word avodah is translated as worship. You see, because work was meant to be something that we do to God. It's something that we do unto God. That's what worship was all about. Worship and work were called to be the same thing. That's why we often say work is worship. And that changes radically our approach to whatever we're doing. Because we're no longer just doing it for a paycheck. We're not just doing it to get a, 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 um, a head in life. We are now doing our work as worship unto God. And that changes everything. In fact, it's important to understand that there's a difference between having a garden and being able to cultivate it. Uh, Kofi Annan the former Secretary General of the United Nations, put it this way. He said, Africa has 30% of the world's natural resources and some of the best climate. It's got rainfall and some of the best soils in the world. Africa has an abundance of arable land. Yet 35% of the population is chronically undernourished. And the whole continent of Africa only contributes 1.3% of the world's produce. It has the same GDP as a small country like Mexico. What does this have to do with cultivation? Well, it goes to show that just having land does not equal prosperity. It's important that we don't only have something in our house or, or, or something around us, but that we learn to cultivate it. And the ability to cultivate is the pathway to prosperity. In fact, in Matthew 25, Jesus tells the story of uh, called the parable of the talents. And this is a story where um, servants are given different talents uh, according to their ability. And, and the master comes back a year later to see what they've done with what they've got. 
And um, one servant says like, oh, wow, you know, master, I've doubled what you gave me. And he's like, wow, well done, you know, and he rewards him accordingly. And then Matthew 25 carries on and talks about another servant who did the same. He doubled what was given to him and he's promoted accordingly. But then the last servant took the talent that he was given, took the treasure that he had been given or the money that he had been given and, and he hid it in the ground. And he said this, he said, I knew that you were a harsh man. And because you're a harsh man, you want to, to, to receive benefit where he didn't sow anything. And what's interesting about this example is that Jesus says that God replies in a harsh manner. Because the expectation was that this servant would cultivate, would develop what he was given, what was entrusted to him. So we've got to develop this cultivation mindset in whatever we've been given you might be uh, waiting for a job look around you what what have you got in your world that you can start to cultivate Uh, you might be um, looking to open up other streams of income in your life what can you cultivate God has given you talents and gifts that you can utilize to 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 develop and see how God will use you not just to have more money but to be a blessing to those around you. So this shift can be defined as moving from work slavery to work worship. I don't know which one you're caught in. Sometimes I have to catch myself. Yes, even as a pastor, I've got to catch myself and remind myself that work is indeed worship. Listen to what Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3. He says this, Whatever you do, Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So here in the scripture, there's a promise that if we move from work slavery to work worship, God will see what we are doing and reward us accordingly. I want to encourage you. Fire your boss. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Not literally. But figuratively, fire your boss. Have a a determination that when you go into the workplace tomorrow, you're not working for your boss anymore. You're working for the Lord. You're moving from work slavery to work worship. So these three thoughts help us to understand something so central to transforming the workplace. And it's this. God wants to be involved in your work. In fact, Dorothy Sawyers, who was a a writer on issues of how Christians can engage with their work in the workplace as a vehicle for societal transformation, she said this, The first demand that religion should make upon a carpenter is that he makes good tables. I love that. So as a Christian, we need to understand that what God requires us first and foremost is to be excellent at what we do. I think it was Tim Keller who noted that if you're a Christian pilot, your first and most important service to God is to take off properly and to land the plane properly. So once we start thinking rightly about our work, how does this transform how we work? The first thing we realize is that this new paradigm of work worship changes the way we do work. 
Here's the first thing that it changes. It activates our gifts. It activates our gifts. Because once we realize that God wants to be involved in our workplace, then we have faith that the gifts He's placed inside of us are actually powerful. In fact, the Bible's got different lists of gifts throughout the scriptures. Many people know the Ephesians four gifts. There's apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists and pastors. But the Bible also talks about gifts of the Holy Spirit, working of miracles and tongues and, and prophecy and, and healing. And we know those gifts. But it also talks in Romans chapter 12 about other gifts, serving, mercy, leading, etc. You need to understand that God has given you gifts. And those gifts are for a purpose. They're so that you can be a blessing to the church, but also that you can be effective in the world. In fact, the first person that we hear about being filled with the Holy Spirit in the Bible is a man called Bezalel. And this is found in Exodus 31 verse 3. Listen to what the Bible says about Bezalel. It says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit, with wisdom, understanding and knowledge, and all manner of workmanship, or all manner of craftsmanship. So it tells us that the role of the Holy Spirit was to come and yes, give him wisdom, understanding and knowledge concerning craftsmanship. The ability to, the ability to do a job well. This changes everything. When you understand this, you understand that God wants to co-labor with you in your workspace. He doesn't want you to leave him out of your environment. He wants you to include him in your work environment. The next thing that we understand because of this is that because God is involved in our workplace, it changes the faith that we bring to our jobs. Wow. What, what, what about our faith does it change? In Deuteronomy 8, verse 17 and 18, halfway through a conversation God's having with Israel, uh, God's blessed them, God, God's, God's um, given them the promised land, and they started to forget God. So we pick up the conversation halfway through in about verse 17 and 18. And this is what God says. You may say to yourself, my power and my strength and what I can do with my hands is produce this wealth for me. Verse 18. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms His covenant which He swore to your ancestors. Did you catch that? The Bible says it's God who gives us the ability to create wealth. And once we understand that it doesn't come from our strength in our hands, it activates our faith in God. That God wants to partner with me in the workplace. Yes, for my benefit, but also for the blessing of the world and for His glory. Wow, what will happen if you started to apply your faith and believe that God wants to do what He promised to do, to give you the ability to create wealth. This changes how we rock up. And when we work with work as worship, we're no longer worried about how important our job seems or how insignificant or who's paying attention. Because as, as we said, 
We're doing it unto the Lord. Martin Luther King Jr. put it this way. If it falls to your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. Sweep streets like Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. Sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. Wow, that's a tall order. May we all be found to be doing our work with such excellence, such devotion, that yes, all heaven pauses and says, wow, what a person of excellence lived here in this workplace. So this shift of including God in our work and doing our work as worship also helps us to see that God will use our work to open a door for discipleship. One of the great ways we're going to be able to shape our workplaces is yes, by doing a great job with our gifts as I've talked about. Yes, by living with integrity and holiness in the workplace. Yes, by the policies that we craft. But one of the great ways we'll be able to shape the workplace is by ministering to the people around us. In Acts chapter 11, the Bible tells a story of how the disciples were persecuted. And in verse 19, it says that as they were persecuted, they fled for their lives. And theologians will tell us that the way they spread was along the trade routes. So as people who had jobs and were fleeing for their lives, they, they spread out and fanned out across trade routes where they'll get jobs and they'll be able to be in the marketplace and talk to people. And as they spread to these various places, the Bible says that the gospel started to spread. And then more believers came from Antioch, and this is now verse 20 of Acts chapter 11. And they started to speak to the Greeks, and the Bible says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number of people turned and believed in God. They weren't like in the workplace preaching. They were in the workplace working, and they couldn't help but to just talk about Jesus in the process of their work. Oh man, what would happen if we believed in the potential of our workplace to open doors of discipleship? I'm so encouraged by story after story of people who have started connect groups in their workplace and started to minister to their colleagues. And yes, sometimes you've got to be careful and, and, and have those meetings off-site in a coffee shop or maybe even online in this season. But there are opportunities to touch and minister to people's hearts are all over the place. And it's amazing that if we'll step up, God will show up. I wonder what God wants to do in your workplace. Next, I want to say the final difference I'll talk about today is how our workplace and our change in approach to work can actually result in work being a place of destiny, a place of destiny for us. Why is that? Well, simply this, because what God is doing, the Bible says that, and this is from Revelation. So, you know, if you want to know what the Bible is like, has in store for us, what God has in store for us, go to the back of the book. 
and see how it all ends. And there's a powerful scripture in Revelation 11 verse 15 that says this. The kingdoms of this world. What, what does that mean? It means that um, areas where, where, where God is not glorified, be it workplaces, schools, hostels, um, uh, apartment complexes, um, any area, any sphere of life. The Bible says this, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and His Christ. Wow. God's desire is not for wickedness to increase more and more. God's desire is for righteous people to stand up and make a change in all these different spheres of life to bring His glory. That's the end game. That's what God has in store for us. That at the end of this all, he's going to be glorified. And that's why Abraham Kaper, who was a theologian and the prime minister of the Netherlands, said this. He said, he said, there's not one square inch of the whole domain of human existence over which Christ does not cry, mine, mine. When you look at your workplace and what's going wrong, God is crying, mine, mine. He wants to exert his influence. He wants to exert his presence, his power. He wants us to apply the word of God so that that context can flourish, that people will be blessed, that you will prosper, that God will be glorified. And all those things work together. And I imagine you doing that. And I imagine the person next to you doing that and your friends and families and other Christians doing that in different places of society. And as we collectively start to reform our workplaces, can you see the picture starting to change? Can you see the presence and glory of God starting to come? First of all, in small ways and ultimately in powerful ways. I want to end by telling you a story of a lady that I met last year. Her name is Kati. So, Katty's story starts um, in, in a painful place. Um, she found herself divorced and um, looking after her two boys with no money. Husband wasn't paying maintenance. And I, I don't know what situation you might find yourself in. You might have had bad news. Maybe you've been retrenched, you've been let go. I don't know. But I think this story will encourage you. So Kati finds herself in this situation and as a believer, she cries out to God and says, God, what can I do? I've got no money. I've got no income. I don't know what to do. She invites God into her workspace. And she hears God say this to her. Kati, what do you have in your cupboard? So she goes to her cupboard and she sees she's got a couple of cans. And she says, God, all I've got is like these cans. A couple of cans in my cupboard and that's it. That's all we have. And God said, that's all you need. Make a meal and sell it. So she made a meal and she went out and she sold that meal. The most amazing thing is this. That the person she sold the meal to said, you know what? I want to invest in your catering business. And she said, business? I'm just starting out. So she had someone who helped her to start to prepare meals, more meals for more people that she sold. By the time I met Katty last year, she took us into her, um, her recently um, rented uh, business space. 
and she took us through all the equipment that she had there, hundreds of thousands of rands of catering equipment. And she said this to us. She said, all of this has been paid for cash. The Lord has done a work in me. What started with a few cans in my cupboard is now a catering business. And the amazing thing is that Kati would go on and she would actually employ ex-prisoners as some of her chefs because she understood that by doing that, she could actually change and impact people's lives. And when she heard that we were doing something for the ministry, uh, she was like, we are going to give you free lunches. You'll pay for the suppers, but lunches are free and they're on us. And for better part of 10 days, we ate like kings, <laughs> blessed by someone who had a vision of their work as worship. And she kept saying to us, I can't outgive God. Whatever I do for God, He always gives me more back. I pray that your faith will be stirred. I pray that in this time you understand that God wants to bless you through your work. He wants you to prosper through the gifts that you start to cultivate and use. I pray that at this time you know that God wants you to be a blessing to those around you in the workplace. Maybe you'll give them a word of prophecy, encouragement. Take them through the one-to-one -one and start to disciple them. But I know that in the places of influence, as you start to make godly decisions, you'll influence the strategy and the culture of the company and the, and the job that you're in. And finally, I know that as you do all of this, God will be glorified because you'll be working with your work as worship and not unto man. God bless you. Let's pray. Father God, I want to pray for a few categories of people here. I pray, Father, first of all, for those of us who haven't invited you into our workspace. It's almost like we leave you at the door. And Father, today we say, come and invade our workspace. Father, we want you in our work environment. We want you to use us in our work environment. And today we repent, Lord of seeing work as slavery or, or work as something evil or awful. And Father, even if we're in a bad job, we can still do good work because it's unto you. And Father, I pray that you change our attitudes. Secondly, I want to pray, Father, for those of us who have been hesitant to apply our faith and to believe you to prosper us in the workplace. Father, you give us the ability to create wealth. And today, Lord, we want to activate our faith. And Father, we, we, we pray. And I'll just ask you to put your hand over your heart right now and say, Father, activate prosperity in my life. I thank you that you've given me the ability to create wealth. Show me how. Show me how to cultivate the environment around me and to use my gifts for your glory, and to believe you that small can become great in your hands. Here I am, Lord. Use me for your glory. Amen. And the last group of people I want to pray for, is you might be saying, Timber, this is all great, but I don't know God. <laughs> can this be a reality for me too? Absolutely. 
You can become a child of God and you become born again, the Bible says. And when you're born, born again, you live a life in partnership with God. If the Bible says that the old stuff, all your sins are forgiven, you become a new creature, a new person, and you have this new life in God, all because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. He went to the cross and he died for you and me so that we can be forgiven and experience the love of God. And I want to pray with you now that these promises I've been talking about can be yours. If that's you and you say, yes, I want that. I want, I want to be a child of God. Pray this with me. Father God, you can repeat after me. Father God, today I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things in my life. And I believe Jesus died on the cross to forgive me of my sins. To give me a relationship with you. And to give me a new life going forward. A life lived with God. And this is my desire. To be forgiven. To know you God. And to grow in this relationship with you in all of my life. Save me, God. Set me free. Make me new on the inside. From this day forward, I am your child and you're my father. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you pray that prayer, I'd like to encourage you to get a hold of someone um, you can reach us um, you can send a comment in one of the comment streams and we'll be sure to get back to you and help you grow in your relationship with god god bless you